turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We'll get there in just a moment. I'm going to continue our series today uh, on fully alive. We're fully alive because he is fully alive. I want to invite you to join us, uh, not just next week, but the next number of weeks. Uh, I'm going to start a sermon series next week called Your Supersized Life. Uh, Now, if your thoughts immediately go to McDonald's, just wipe that right out of your mind, okay? What I'm talking about over these next few weeks is God has so much more for your life than just getting through today, getting through next week, getting through next month, uh, making it through tax season, uh, summer, all those things. Even this year, God has so much more for your life for your family, for your job, and not just this life. Uh, this life is, is just a fraction of eternity that God has for us. So that's what I want us to look at these next few weeks and uh, invite you to join us, come back and explore uh, this life that God has for us because he is fully alive. So Matthew 28, it's Resurrection Sunday. Follow along verse one, early on Sunday morning. As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Now, this is important because if you were here Wednesday night for our, our, our service, uh, the communion and the cross, where we left it on Wednesday night was Jesus being put in the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus and put him in his, his tomb that had never been used before and rolled the stone over the front of the tomb. It, the last verse in that section says that there were Mary and the other Mary, and they sat across from the tomb waiting. And I encouraged uh, those who were here on Wednesday night uh, that each of us should have that same posture, that same attitude between uh, the time that we met on Wednesday until t- this morning, that, that anticipation of the resurrection, just like Mary and Mary. And here, I I find it fitting that right off the bat, uh, we have note of Mary and Mary waiting with anticipation, and they go running to this empty tomb. Suddenly, verse 2, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. He is not here. He is risen. And so I think it's important for us to look this morning at what happened. Jesus said this would happen. Well, what happened? Well, Jesus spent these last three years of ministry with his disciples. As Jason mentioned, you know, three years with these dudes. You'd think they'd get it, but still they didn't. Jesus is arrested. He's crucified, he dies, he is buried, and today we have an empty tomb. That's significant, that's huge. That's what happened. Like most events, I think it's, it's important for us to look at the impact of an event to assess the significance of the event. 
You ever thought about that? When something happens, if we're to look at what happened, I think it's important for us to look at the significance of the event and the corresponding impact that it has. If uh, we were astronomers and we had this big, huge telescope and we could look up at the, at the moon, we would see a moon uh, peppered with uh, craters. Now those craters on the moon are there as an indication that something at some point hit the moon. An event took place. There was a, an event that, that something happened And the significance of that event is proven by the impact. The larger the meteor that hit the moon, or space dust or rock or whatever it is that hit the moon, the larger the crater. The smaller, the smaller the crater. The impact indicates the significance of the event. Um, Fast forward this summer, say we're all having a big pool party um, over at someone's house, and um, I get up on the diving board next to a kindergartner, okay? And uh, the kindergartner uh, jumps in, you know, 22 and a half pounds, uh, goes in and does the cannonball. Well, there's probably going to be a little splash, uh, almost as uh, significant as throwing a small rock into the pool. Then... El Grande gets up there and decides that he's going to do a cannonball. Well, I can tell you that the splash that I create is going to be significantly greater than the splash of the kindergartner, true? Well, the impact is a correlation to the significance. It's with all things in life. You think of of World War II. And what took place in World War II, specifically in the European theater, there was a big event that took place that we know as D-Day, where the Allied forces landed in Normandy and those beaches of northern France, and they went into France. Well, that event had a corresponding event that took place almost a year later that was Victory in Europe Day, VE Day. Hard to believe it was almost a year later, it was almost 11 months later when that took place. But the, the impact that that event had proved the significance of it. Same thing in the Pacific Theater with the, the, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Those, the, the impact had huge ramifications. The significance was proven by the impact that those had, and that being the surrender of Japan. We can go on to a more lighter note and uh, go back to a, a, um, an event that took place when I was in college, uh, less significant but still uh, earth-shattering to me, is um, I had a psychology uh, exam that I didn't study for. Uh, anyone ever not study for an exam? Uh, it, yes, I see that hand. We'll have, we'll have ministry later. But uh, the outcome was a direct result of what took place beforehand. The significance had, had ramifications and it had an outcome. 
Another uh, lighter, this one much more enjoyable and, and joyful part of, of my life was the day I decided to go to a young adult uh, gathering from our church down at the beach. It was 1988, and uh, I was going down. I had a busload of, of middle school students. I was a, a middle school pastoral intern at the time, and I took them down to the beach. And it was this combined youth service, young adult service down on the beach and on a Friday night, and all of a sudden, this beautiful blonde, who had visited our church a few times previously, she comes riding up on her bicycle and our eyes meet. And that event had huge ramifications. We dated for three years and 26 years later, we're married still. There you go. So there you have an event that had an impact with huge significance. So the same thing here. When we ask what happened, we have to ask what happened when what happened? We have to ask, in another way, to totally confuse you, uh, what happened when what happened happened? <laughs> what, is the, what is the outcome of this significant event? What's the impact of this event? And I think to fully understand this, we have to put it in context. I was with uh, some middle schoolers earlier this week, um, speaking at their FCA, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, in the morning, and I, I just briefly uh, gave them an explanation of the Bible. It was just a real simple explanation. And uh, it, it goes like this. Uh, scene one, act one, is, is God creating the world, God creating everything we know, God creating mankind, God creating humanity, and he says it's good. In fact, he says it's very good. Well, fast forward to chapter three, and you have an event that takes place, and, and that's where Adam and Eve sin, sin enters the world. And to oversimplify the Bible, you could say the rest of the Bible from Genesis three to the very end is act three, and that's God and his solution to the problem of sin. That's the simplistic story, message of, of Scripture. And yet, to put it in context, to put this event of the cross and the death and resurrection of Jesus into perspective, you have to put it in that context. In the New Testament, there's a, a character, his name was Saul, it was changed to Paul, but before he had this encounter with Christ, he was a very religious man. So much so that when Jesus was, was teaching and preaching and, and lives were being changed, uh, he was so much in his box and so much in his, his way of thinking that he opposed Jesus and everything he stood for, much like the rest of the Pharisees, much like the rest of the other religious rulers. And so Paul lived his life vowing to, to destroy this movement that Jesus was leading. He went around persecuting those followers of Jesus. He went around uh, uh, stoning them and, and killing them and putting them to death, putting them in jail, everything possible he could do. And then one day he comes face to face with the risen Savior. He has an encounter. We know it as this encounter on the road to Damascus. And, and he comes face to face and his life is changed and transformed. And this gentleman, Paul, he writes so much. Most of our New Testament that we have is written by him. And in Romans 3, he comes to this conclusion that everyone has sinned. He says that each and every one of us has fallen short of God's mark in our lives. 
We, we haven't been able to attain that on our own. And in fact, in, in the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, he says each and every one of us were dead in our sin. There's no life whatsoever. We are under the punishment and curse of our sin. We're distant from God and a price needed to be paid, a penalty needed to be enforced because we have sinned against God. But he goes on to say, but instead of you and me paying that price, God sent his son Jesus to pay the price for us. Paul calls out and he, he, says, he cries out and he says, I am dead in sin and yet I needed somebody to save me and set me free. And who is it? And he answers his, his own question and he says, it's Jesus. He says there's a, this exchange that has taken place. God takes our death and gives us his life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is Paul, this guy who, who was opposing everything that Jesus stood for, everything that he was promoting, everything that he was teaching. Look at what he has to say about, about this transaction that takes place when Jesus went to the cross and died for each and every one of us. He says, God made him who had no sin, that is Jesus, God made him to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. God put our sin on his son Jesus and he put Jesus' righteousness on us so that each and every one of us could have a right relationship with God and would not have to suffer the consequences of our own wrongdoing. An exchange took place. Verse we know so well in John, the third chapter, the 16th verse says, God loves us so much that when sin entered the world, he had a solution. And that solution was his son, Jesus, who he sent to die on a cross for each and every one of us so that we don't have to pay that price, but we could have life, life to the full, life everlasting. I love verse 17 of John 3 that says, God didn't send his son Jesus into the world to condemn us, to point the finger at you, to point the finger at me and say, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. Instead, he sent his son Jesus into the world to save the world, to save me, to save you. This was his solution to the problem. This has huge impact. The death penalty was lifted. It was, we were set free. We have this relationship with God that we could have never had before, and we have the promise of eternal life. That is the crater left behind by this event. That is the impact that reflects the significance. When you look at the landscape of humanity, you see an event that took place with a huge ripple effect throughout history and for all of eternity, all because Jesus came, died on a cross, and he rose again. And the true meaning of this is we are alive. You are alive, I am alive, all because he is alive. That's the truth of the matter. Look at John chapter five, Jesus' own words, where he talks about moving from death unto life, just as he moved from death to life when he rose from the grave. He says this, I tell you the truth, verse 24 of John five. He says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message... And believe in God who sent me have eternal life. 
They will never be condemned for their sins. Isn't that a great promise? They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed. Where? They've passed from death to life. You're alive today because He is alive. I'm alive because He is alive. We have eternal life. Why? Because He is alive. Jesus said in John, the 10th chapter, the 10th verse, He says, I've come to give you life. Life to the full. That's what I want us to look at in these next few weeks. Full life, supersized life. This is the life that God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ. You might sit here today and you might hear all of that and hey, that, Pastor, that sounds great. That sounds good. So what? So what? That's a valid question. And just like any gathering, and uh, as you know, or may not know, this week was opening day for Major League Baseball. And uh, for the next number of months, we'll be uh, blessed with some great sporting events. And, but if you have an opportunity to go to a sporting event, chances are you're going to have different groups of people there. Just uh, look around you at, at a pro sports event when you go into a stadium and, or, or an arena, this even happens up at, uh, up at the stadium on Friday nights here in the fall. Anytime there's a game going on, you have at least three different groups of people. One group are the home team fans. They're all decked out in the home colors. They got their hats, they got their banners, they have their, their, their jerseys on and they're, they're cheering on the home team. You have a smaller group of people usually, but those are the, the visiting team fans, right? They're wearing the, the visiting team colors. They have their hats. They have their banners. Uh, they, their marching band comes in or whatever. It, 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 you have the, the away team. But then, I, I, I've, you got to check this, this last group out, uh, this third group out the next time you're at an event. But um, inevitably, at every single sporting event, there are those people who are there just for the hot dogs and the nachos. That's it. Uh, they could care less what, what the sport is even that's being played. You know, oh, what? We're at a hockey game? Oh, well, uh, you know, basketball? Who, you know, I just love the nachos. You know, our 15-year-old, our he loves nachos, and I let him order, and then I eat half of them, and he wonders where they all go. But there are people there who are just there for the festivities. They're just there for the party. And I believe that when it comes to, uh, when it comes to talking about the impact of Jesus on the cross and salvation that he brings, I believe that there are a number of, of groups of people, even here this morning. And when it comes to the response to this message, I believe the first group are the ones who are, have a very positive reaction to it. Yes, I, I agree. You, you're here this morning and you've surrendered your life to, to Christ. You've received the free gift of salvation and, and you're living your life in a way that, that is, is reflective of, of His blessing and, and, and his, his gift to you. So that's, that's one group. Uh, it's safe to say also that there would be some people here this morning who uh, maybe have a negative response or a negative outlook to this, to this uh, message. And that's okay. You're welcome here. But even within that group, I believe that there, there's some reasons. I, I believe that, that they could even be very legitimate reasons. Uh, one that comes to mind is maybe you're here this morning and your life is great. 
You know, we like to say sometimes, uh, oh, you know, um, without Christ, your, your life is, is a mess. Your life is, well, guarantee, there are some people who, who are, are far from God and you've never surrendered your life to, to Christ, but your life is safe to say it's okay. You got, the, you got your, your world by the tail and you're making good decisions and you're, uh, you're successful. Life is going well and, and consequently that ends up being a, a, a negative outlook toward this message when I say that you need a Savior. That each and every one of us needs a Savior. Well, that outlook is, is fine and good until something happens. Because we can only control so much. We can only manage so much. I'm a manager. I love to manage things. I love to think that I can do things well, but there comes a time when my efforts and my abilities to manage things end. Let me give you an example of this week. On Wednesday, I was sitting in my office and I'd been texting our son uh, who was up at De- uh, Decatur High School it was about 11.15 in the morning, maybe just after 11 on Wednesday, and I was texting him. And uh, about 15, 20 minutes went by, and Pastor Barry uh, stuck his head around, uh, our offices are side, side by side, and he stuck his head around uh, uh, the corner and, and said, hey, Pastor, have you heard that there, uh, there's a, there's been an accident up near the square? And um, uh, some high school students were involved, and all we knew is that there was a fatality. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, okay, well, I have a high school student. I was just texting him a few minutes ago. He has lunch at 11.30 and he should be on campus, but who knows? And so I grab my phone and I start texting like crazy. Where are you? Question mark, question mark, question mark, send. Question mark, question mark, send. Question mark, where are you? Are you at school? Question mark, are you? You know, no response. I tell you, you want to have a sick feeling in your gut. It's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Oh, and man, you start praying. And you just start. There was an accident, there was a fatality. Thankfully, my son wasn't in it. Thankfully, another student wasn't in it, but somebody lost their life that day. We like to think we can control things. We like to think that we, we can, if we make the right decisions, we can, we can succeed. And, and to a certain degree, that's right, but we can only control so much. Like I talked about earlier, is, is life all about just today and tomorrow and next week? And, 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 and if that's all that life is, boy, we need, we need help. A little backdrop to our story. Uh, we had a, a real difficult time having a family. And Gabe is a product of many, many years of prayer by many, many, many people. And so, safe to say, our son Gabe, it would be very easy for us to do this and just really protect. And, but I tell you, the day he was born, I remember having a conversation with God and simply saying, God, if we have this boy for one day or one week or one month or one year or ten, however long, you give us with this boy. It's, it's going to be a blessing and we're going to live our lives to the fullest. We know this is out of our control. 
And it was a surrendering. And I tell you on Wednesday, again, it's a, it was a, a sobering fact that life is short. This life is short. And as much as we think we can control things, as much as we think that we can control our own success and our own joy and our own happiness, that all comes to an end at some point. So you could be here today and you could be pushing God away because life is good. But let me remind you that there's much, much more to life than what you can control. On the other end of those who would maybe push God away, it might be on the other end of the spectrum and your life is the pits. You've had struggle after struggle after struggle after struggle, pain after pain, bad decision after bad decision. You've been the victim of, of horrible things that have happened to you. And maybe you're sitting here today going, how could God love a person like me? There's no way that God would love me so much to send his son. And you're pushing God away because you feel like you're unlovable. You're unsavable. You've done too many wrong things for God to reach out to you. Well, let me tell you today that God sent his son Jesus for each and every person. Each and every person, regardless of, of what side of the good or bad uh, feelings toward him you're on. How many good things you've done, how many bad things you've done, the pain you've experienced or the joy you've experienced. God sent his son Jesus for you. Everyone matters. You're created in his image. And when he created you, he said, it is very, 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 very good. I added a few varies, but you get what I'm talking about. God loves you. God loves you. That's another group that might be here. I believe the third group that might be here today is much like those people who are there for the nachos and the, and the popcorn and the hot dogs. And, and you might be here this morning, you're just indifferent. You know, hey, pastor, it's a great story, but it, you know, I, got, I got other things to do. It's just not, it's not high on my priority list. It's not something I really need to deal with right now. It's, it's just out there. And, and you're just feeling like it's, it's just one of those things on the back burner. Well, I want to tell you this morning that God loves you. And in the same way that uh, um, you could care less about a, an impending thunderstorm with a tornado coming, at one point it's going to affect you. You know, we used to sit out at ball, ball games uh, and uh, watch storms come in. I remember one ball game, um, Little League, uh, you know, elementary school ball, and we were sitting down in Springtown or somewhere down there, and, and I'm watching the lightning and thunder come and there's some umpires who are just oblivious to it and they're like play ball play ball i'm like uh shouldn't we be running for cover right now you know we can be oblivious to a storm coming in but it, at some point it will affect us in the same way uh tax season's coming up you you don't need to believe in tax season it, it's coming tax day is coming and, and you can blow it off. I wouldn't recommend it, but, uh, you know, you see where I'm getting? You can be just completely, hey, I, I don't want to deal with it right now. At some point, you will. You'll have to. And I want you to remember, regardless of what group you're in today, I want you to remember God loves you so much. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to pay the price so that we could have a relationship with our Father in heaven. A God who loves, loves, loves you. And he wants that relationship with you. You know, if you were a, uh, a, an owner of a, 
a medical facility, a hospital. And you were each and every day maybe standing up in an atrium and watching people come through the front doors of your establishment. Different illnesses and sicknesses, broken bones, hurts, pains, physical, mental, emotional, in search of help. And your facility was able to provide for those to a certain degree, but could you imagine if one day you could acquire the one thing that would meet everyone's need? The one procedure that every single person could receive that would meet their need in its entirety. Whether it was a broken bone, whether it was stitches, whether it was a a heart or an appendix or a, a spine or a left foot. Whether it was physical, mental, emotional, or otherwise. You'd be crazy not to do it, right? Well, that's what God did with His Son, Jesus. No matter what the ailment is, no matter what the sin, no matter what the ramifications, no matter how great or small, God's Son, Jesus, is the solution for each and every single ailment that we have. When sin entered the world, it says a curse came upon the world. I love how Paul says it in the New Testament. You know, sin came in like this and God said, "Uh, I'll trump that. Here's sin. Here's my son. Sin is useless. Sin is done away with. All because God sent his son, Jesus. I invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And you might be here this morning. and you've surrendered your life to Christ, I invite you today, once again, affirm that decision. Affirm that knowing the significance of the event and the impact that it's had in history and in your life since. At the same time, you might be here this morning and You've never entered into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. You can do that right now. You can do that right now. Simply by asking Him. And the prayer goes something like this. Lord, I've heard that You love me. And You sent Your Son, Jesus, for me. And Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm I'm sorry for the things I've done that have disappointed you, that have kept me from you. But I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And I receive the gift that he gave. I want to be set free. And I believe that you sent him to do just that. So come into my heart, Lord. Make me new. Make me alive again. It's a simple prayer like that. And when you do that, (laughs) He'll do it. You don't need to ask twice. He'll come in. He'll change you.
He'll set you free. And even as you ask, he's already done it. So Father, my prayer for each one here is that there would be a profound sense of a profound reality of what happened. What happened on the cross? That Lord, we have been made alive because you are alive. We've been set free from sin. You've given us new life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm inviting you to stand. And we're going to sing and close off our service. And uh, our altar team will be here up at the front, our ministry team. And if we can pray with you, we'd love to do that. I am a firm believer that there's something about Easter Sunday morning that, that goes hand in hand with healing as well. And if you're here and you need physical healing or healing for uh, a friend or, or someone you know, we invite you to come up as well. But let me tell you, I, I grew up in a home where I, I gave my life to Christ when I, was, when I was five years old. But there was a point when I was a junior in high school that I surrendered my life to him. I surrendered my life to him. You could say the light went on. I, I, really, I really believe the Holy Spirit was tapping me on the shoulder and, and saying, Darren, it's time that you understood exactly what I did when I sent my son to die on a cross for you. And I believe that there are many here this morning who the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, now's the time. Now's the time. I want to reveal my love for you once again. And I invite you to surrender your, surrender your life and allow me, allow God to lead. And let me tell you, it's a supersized life. It's life to the full, full of joy, all because Jesus rose from the dead. We're going to proclaim it. We're going to sing it. If we can come alongside and help you. Um, one last thing before we, uh, I knew I was forgetting something. A connect card. On there, it simply says, uh, about halfway down, a spiritual commitment. If you receive Christ for the first time today, if you surrendered your life to Him, would you write that down and, and communicate that to us? We'd love to send you some, some information and follow up with your relationship with the Lord. At the same time, if you rededicated your life to Him, would you let us know that as well so we can be praying with you, praying for you, and allow us to come alongside and help you in your spiritual journey closer to God, all right? So let's celebrate. It's Easter Sunday. He is risen. He is risen indeed.